It is now February the 7th already. Wow. Uh, time's moving. You know, even if Jesus isn't coming back um, real soon, um, we're one day closer. That's how you got to look at it from now on. Just look at it that way, all right? Because in the world, in the last days, things aren't going to get better. Now, I, I, it, doesn't that I, it isn't that I don't believe that God can pour out revival on this nation. He's done it in the past, and he could very well do it again. Amen? I'm certainly not going to say, ah, God ain't going to do that. No, I'm praying for it. At the same time, I'm praying, God, get the church ready. Amen? Let's get ready to travel. <laughs> Let's get ready to go. Amen? Um, we've been in a series of messages now called God Speaks, and we're on message five. What we have preached so far, uh, title-wise, is God Speaks, an unchanging message. Message two was through His world. Message three was through His word. Message four was how we failed to trust Him. And now the final message is He makes known um, He makes known His design, His plan, all right, in our lives. And, and what, what we're going to do here is we're going to share a couple of things with you that we've shared before, but with more clarity. Even I ask myself, uh, you've heard me talk about how Jesus said, uh, when asked, what are the, what's the greatest commandment? And, and he summed them up in two, right? And he said, to love the Lord with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, right? And then he said, and the second is like the first, love your neighbor as yourself. And we're going to elaborate on that today because that's, I thought, isn't it a little unusual that you could fit 10 into 2? Like a Reader's Digest version, you know, of the Ten Commandments. But I looked at it, and once you look at something with the question on your heart and mind to Father, He shows you, and you, you look at it and go, wow, that, that really looks easy. You'd have thought I could have figured that out by myself, <laughs> you know. But there are a lot of things we can't figure out by ourselves. Amen. I mean, it's okay to be dependent upon Him, amen? It's okay to be dependent upon God. So, this is message five of God Speaks. He makes known His design. I want everyone to turn in your Bibles to Exodus chapter 20. Exodus chapter 20. And we're going to read the first 17 verses together. We're going to look at the Ten Commandments. Uh, I've gone through all kinds of phases in my life. When I was a child, though, I, I thought like a child. I spoke like a child, you know. I mean, I acted like a child. I was a child. Can you say amen? I saw, I saw a picture of a little, a little girl about two years old yesterday. She had a cowboy hat on, and she had cowboy boots, and she looked just like Olivia. She looked like the spitting image of Olivia, and she said, I'm fixing to get in trouble. Are you coming? <laughs> You know, and I thought, wow, i got to send that to her mama. <laughs> you know, and, I, and we cut and pasted and sent it to her mama. I'm fixing to get in trouble. You coming? Well, I'm fixing to get in the Word of God. Are you coming? You want to go there? Everything that we say and do in this church now is predicated upon the idea that we're getting ready to go somewhere. We're getting ready to do something. Can you say amen? All right. Exodus chapter 20, the first 17 verses read like this. And God spoke all these words saying, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall, make, you shall not make for yourself a carved image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above 
or that is in the earth beneath, or that is in the water under the earth, you shall not bow down to them or serve them, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children to the third and the fourth generation of those who hate me, but showing steadfast love to thousands of those who love me and keep my commandments." You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. But the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter, your male servant or your female servant or your livestock or the sojourner who is within your gates. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth the sea, and all that is in them, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Honor your father and your mother, that your days may be long in the land, that the Lord your God has given you. You shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shall not bear false witness against your neighbor, you shall not covet your neighbor's house, you shall not covet your neighbor's wife, or his male servant, or his female servant, or his ox, or his donkey, or anything that is your neighbor's. God has spoken through his law to demonstrate his holiness and our sinfulness. That's what it gives us a picture of. God has spoken through his law to demonstrate his holiness and our sinfulness. Though the law cannot save us, it points us to the one who fulfilled it and through whom we can have life. Can you say amen? Can you say it again? Amen. Praise God. When did God's law come into effect? When did God's law come into effect? We might be inclined to answer by saying at Sinai. However, God's law has always been in effect. Always. As long as there has been a God, and as long as there will be a God, God's law will be in effect. What God says is right is right, and what God says is wrong is wrong. No matter how many laws we pass, how many opinions change in this world, and, just, and you would not believe the amount of problems it's called, it's caused even people who call themselves children of God in this world because man has said, this is, this is okay, we pass a law, it's good. And God did not change his mind. Amen? God's law has always been in effect because God has always existed. His law is based on his divine character and nature and is simply a description of what life looks like when lived as God designed it to be. Between Eden and heaven, the bookends of redemption history, God has graciously given his law to serve as a schoolmaster, according to Galatians, the whole chapter, of thir third chapter, chapter 3 in Galatians, teaching us how he commands us to live and showing us how far we fall short of his holy standard and why we need Jesus Christ. Amen? God initially gave his law to Moses as the Ten Commandments. Jesus boiled these Ten Commandments down into two overwhelming ones. Love God exclusively with all you are and love your neighbor as yourself 
And this is according to Matthew chapter 22, verses 36 through 40. What does it say? Teacher, which is the great commandment in the law? And he said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment, and the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all of the law and the prophets. Wow. This is a picture of God's divine design. Man living in unhindered fellowship with God, which results in man living in unhindered fellowship with others. If I've got a problem with my neighbor that I can't cope with, guess where I need to look first? For a touch in my life, a change in my life, I need to go to God about me, not my neighbor. As a matter of fact, you may be sitting here today thinking, you know, I've got, you know, they talk about if you have, you know, uh, really seriously close friends, if you can count them in your lifetime on one hand, you've had a lot of friends. You know, and you might think I've got one or two or three or four or five of these and I'm very close to them. I'm telling you right now that if you're not putting God first in your life, those relationships are not everything God would have them to be. They may feel good to you. They may be helpful to you at times, but they will never meet God's standard until we put Him first in our lives. You know, I think if you hang around with me and Ruthie long enough, you believe that I feel pretty strongly about Ruth Dennis, and I do. I do. I mean, you know, I feel strongly about her, and she feels strongly about me. But when my relationship with God is hindered by anything, anything, amen, anything, my relationship with Ruth is falling short. No matter how much I love that little woman. It doesn't matter because I don't have this fixed before I try to exercise this. Amen? You know, everywhere you go now in this church, I don't care what Bible study you go to, I don't care what, what really, in reality, even the books you're reading, even the, th the places you go in the Bible, you're going to find out Last Ring Bible Church is all about discipleship. It's all about getting these things right with God. Amen? This is a picture of God's divine design. Man living in unhindered fellowship with God, which results in man living in unhindered fellowship with others. And because God is the God over all creation, His law is everywhere applicable. There's nobody that doesn't ease out from under that umbrella. It's for those who live in America, Australia, Africa, Europe, South America, and everywhere in between. Everywhere God reigns, His law applies. Amen? Point number one. God's design is for man to be rightly related to Him. Point number one. God's design is for man to be rightly related to Him. Now, listen to me again. We're, we're going to read the first 11 verses together and, and ask yourself, What's the commonality here? Verse uh, 1 was, And God spoke all these words, saying, I am the Lord your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make your, for yourself a carved image, or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above, 
or that is in the earth beneath, or that is in the water under the earth. You shall not bow down to them or serve them. For the Lord your God uh, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children to the third and the fourth generation of those who hate me, but showing steadfast love to thousands of those who love me and keep my commandments. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is the Sabbath to who? To the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, you and your son and your daughter, your male servant and your female servant, or your livestock, or the sojourner who is within your gates. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in them, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. What is the one commonality throughout all of those verses of Scripture? God. It's all about Him. It's all about God. It's all about the place He wants to hold in our lives. Therefore, the words of Jesus, the first and the greatest commandment is you to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. That is the short version of everything I just read. The, the first 11 verses are all about the particulars, the different ways that you can honor God, that the, the children of Israel can honor God, and, and actually everybody. Amen? God's law is often viewed as a list of things we should not do. Have you ever noticed that? God's law is often viewed as a list of things we should not do. Now, what, have, what has God warned us of lately? He's warned us, don't add anything to my word, don't take anything from it, right? So I was very careful about what I penned next, all right? I, I, I didn't want to try to modify things, all right? I, I just want to get across to our hearts and minds with God's help exactly what he's trying to park inside, right? If we look beyond the negative format of thou shalt not, we see the positive principle that demonstrates God's design, God's design for his world as he created it. So listen carefully. Then thou shalt have no other gods becomes worship God alone, isn't it the same thing? Worship God alone. I haven't taken anything away from it. I haven't added anything to it, right? Because it's, it's negative only in the way you perceive it. Do you understand what I'm saying? Thou shalt have no other gods becomes worship God alone. Thou shalt not take God's name in vain becomes revere God's name as holy. Isn't that better? Isn't that make it even plainer to you and more simple and easier to understand? Thou shalt not take God's name in vain becomes revere God's name as holy to live our lives as God designed. In other words, God, oh, how, how much more simple can we put this? God must have first place. First place. If we get this wrong, Nothing else in our lives will be rightly ordered. I don't care how you treat it. I don't care what you say about it. I don't care what you do about it. If you don't have square one straightened out, none of the other squares on the board are in right order. They're just not. They're not. God's law reminds us that he is not only holy, but he's also jealous and rightly so. God's jealousy for his glory and preeminence is not like our selfish jealousy. 
It's not the same. Can't even be compared. His jealousy for His glory results in our good. I've never known a man and a woman to suffer from jealousy that it, that it did the other one good. But God's jealousy over me can do me good. Amen? Wow, that's powerful. God's jealousy for His glory and preeminence is not like our selfish jealousy. His jealousy for His glory results in our good. There's nothing worthy of taking God's place as king in our lives. Nothing, anything, or anyone else that we allow into that place is a lesser thing. And so for His glory and our good, God commands first place, the place He and only He rightly deserves to inhabit. You ever, you ever come to church on a Sunday morning, you feel like, man, I feel good, things are right, you get, and then you hear a song, you get caught up in it, and you're worshiping the Lord and all, and you get to the sermon, and you go, uh-oh. Uh, <laughs> you, you understand what I'm saying? It's either uh-oh or oh me. I ain't hearing a lot of amens this morning. You know, I, I'm just being honest with you, all right? Um, but, but, but I can feel the oh me, oh my. I got an important question for you. Ask yourself. Uh, uh, you're not going to like this part. I didn't like it. How, how many of you know I don't like every sermon I preach? I, you know, I don't enjoy some of this any more than you do. But I will tell you this. You just settle down, take a deep breath, and relax. And let God talk in you. Let God do in you. It's going to be okay, all right? Here's the question. Ask yourself today. And these are the tough questions. They're the hard ones. Am I an idolater? Am I? And if you're an idolater, don't you think you need to know it? That, that makes the question even more important, doesn't it? Am I an idolater? That sounds like a harsh question, I know. The reality is, human nature, we are all prone to idolatry. We fall into it. On a daily basis, if we're not minding ourselves. Though you may not make hand-carved idols or swear using God's name, we easily allow things in our lives to become ultimate for us. How many of you would be honest and, and raise your hand and say, I need you to read that again, Pastor. You, you want to hear it again? Though you may not make hand-carved idols or swear using God's name, we easily allow things in our lives to become ultimate for us. A good test is to look at your finances and your calendar. When I was in uh, Bible college, we, uh, we had to sign up for an evangelism class. We were all freshmen. Two things were required, the evangelism class and a first aid class, I guess, if someone was struck, you know, down in class or whatever, we might save them or whatever, you know, bandage them up, you know. In evangelism class, in the evangelism class, we were required during that period of time, that semester, to pass the course, we had to witness to somebody and get them saved. We had to see someone get saved, and you would have thought. Now, we're, we're in a shotgun classroom that held 65 new preachers. You know what I'm saying? New kids, you, you know, that, that said, God called me to preach. 65 of them. 
you could see the stark terror on their faces. Now, I'd just come from a church where evangelism, man, I mean, it, it was the fastest growing church in our city, and I'm humble to say that. I didn't want to leave to go to Bible college. We were having way too much fun. Once a week, we'd meet at the church, and we'd take all the visitors' cards we had, and we'd go visit these people, and uh, we would, you know, um, we'd, we'd, before we left the house visiting with them, we'd, we'd ask them, if, can, do you mind if I ask you a question? You know that that is a, uh, not an offensive question to ask someone. May I ask you a question? Because once they say yes, they can't be offended with you when you ask them a question, right? Do you know the Jesus Christ is the Lord and Savior of your life? It's a simple yes or no. You can't stumble really through it. You just answer the question. And then we would take people through a plan and, and get them saved. Uh, I've, got, I've got questions today about the methodology. I'll just be honest with you. Because a lot of people was like giving a new birth to a newborn and leaving on the hot Florida sidewalk walk to bake in the sun. You, hey, and we're, of course, the only ones that ever made that mistake, right? You know, lots of churches do. We shouldn't. Now that's why it's all about evangelism and discipleship. Jesus said, he didn't say go into all the world and get a bunch of people saved. He said go into all nations and make what? Disciples. Disciples, right? So that means you take them in, you take them under your wing, and they're in the nursery. They're in the nursery. You, you, you hand-feed them the Word of God. You do whatever it takes. And we need to get ready for that. Amen? All right. Uh, you look at your finances and you look at your calendar, and that's what reminds me. This in, this, uh, I love this professor because he said, you know, he talked to us about the stark terror on the faces of many of the students, you know. Um, I, I'm, no brag, no, just fact. I said, Jesus, let's go, let's go do this. And we went right out. I went right out, found me somebody, talked with them a while, prayed with them. They got saved, you know. Boom, I passed that course. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I just passed the course, right? Because someone got saved, you know. But I don't know where that person is today. Get my drift? He was talking about our lives. He said, you're children of God. He said, you know what you really need to do? You really need to pay attention to your finances and your calendar. That, that goes back a long way. I'm 64, and I was uh, about 20 years old in that class. He said, you give me, and this is funny because everything's electronic today, and if you still keep a check register, I'm proud of you. But he said, if you showed me your checkbook, I'll tell you what kind of Christian you are. You show me where you spend your money, what's important to you, and I'll know what kind of Christian you are. Wow. He said, show me your appointment book or what your plans are. What is it you do? What do you enjoy doing? He said, I don't know what kind of Christian you are. And that's still true today. Can you say amen? All right. In many cases, the ways we spend our time and our money will tell what is ultimate in our lives. If we're allowing anything but God to have first place, everything else will be out of order. Ask God, by His grace, to help you live with Him in first place. Now, don't panic over that. He's been waiting for you to say that to him. He's been waiting for you to ask him that. And just pay attention and follow his instructions. That's what you got to do. All right? Follow his instructions. Point number two. God's design is for man to be rightly related to others. You really need to pay close attention to this. 
Verses 12 through 17, the whole flavor of the Ten Commandments changes. Honor your father and your mother, that your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. You shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife or his male servant or his female servant or his ox or his donkey or anything that is your neighbor's. When God has first place in our lives and we walk in complete surrender and obedience to Him as our King, our relationships with others flourish as well. When you put God first, He'll fix your other relationships. Can you say amen? And do you see the commonality of the first part of the passage of Scripture? God was the, the, the important supreme theme of those first number of passages of uh, verses. The next batch, 12 through 17 then, because the first bunch was here to here, the next bunch is from here to here, or to here. Can you say amen? This is not because of our personal effort to be a nice person to others. Listen to me. This is because God works in us to make us more like Him. Amen? Rather than having to be told, thou shalt not kill, we simply walk according to God's character and nature and show respect for innocent human life. Does that make sense to you? Rather than having to be told not to commit adultery, we simply walk according to God's design. Be faithful in all of your relationships. It's important to note again that these laws are not simply outdated cultural ideas. These laws apply to all people in all places at all times. Can you say amen? Since these laws reflect the character and nature of the eternal God who does not change, they are also timeless and unchanging. Since God has created man in His image and reigns as sovereign king over all the earth, His law is everywhere applicable. You don't have to tell the man in an unreached tribe in South America, the South American bush, that it's wrong to kill or steal or lie if he, the Bible says that mankind is without excuse. And I paraphrase, but if a man stands on a hill, looks up into the heavens and sees the stars and asks the question, how did they get there? God said, and I paraphrase, and I'm not changing the message at all. God's obligated to get the truth across to that man. And God never fails. Amen? God never fails or falls short. Because the Almighty God who made him has written it upon his heart. There are certain things that we know because God writes them on our hearts. Here's an important question. Are you struggling in your relationships with others? Are you struggling in your relationship with others? If so, it's not so much interpersonal and not so much an interpersonal problem, but a spiritual problem. In order for us to love our neighbor as ourselves, we must first love God with all that we are. My inclination to be jealous, to be angry, to be bitter or unforgiving to my brother is an indication that God does not have first place in my life. Ask God to help you 
We need to ask God to help us to keep him in first place, enabling us to love others as ourselves. Amen? In conclusion, let's look at this message in this light. God's law is a good gift from a good God. You know, I love the simplicity of the truth of the word. God's law is a good gift from a good God. It stands as a strong reminder that none of us measure up to God's standard of holiness and righteousness. That's why it's going to be. You know where the effort on our part is? Just keeping our mind made up. That's being in the fight. Amen. Stay close to God. Listen to those things He drops into your heart. Become very conscious of them. Amen. And make them a matter of prayer. Make them a matter of where the battlefield of the mind's at, that you make quality decisions about it and you stay in the fight. I don't care how long. Well, this battle doesn't end, does it, Gloria? If there's breath in our bodies, it's when we quit. Either we quit and give up, or we fill our lives with other mundane things that aren't nearly as important. God forgive us. God help us. Amen? Romans chapter 3, verse 10 says, As it is written, none is righteous, no, not one. You drop down to verse 23, it says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. James reminds us, when compared to a standard of holiness, to be guilty of one point is the same as being guilty of all. In James 2.10 it says, For whoever keeps the whole law but fails in one point has become guilty of all of it. No amount of law keeping can erase our points of failure. Therefore, what we need is for someone to do for us what we could not do for ourselves. That is precisely what Christ has done. You know, that's the real, the real battle, I think, inside. It's just accepting that truth and letting, letting God, through His Son, Jesus Christ, take the place in our heart and lives that He is demanding. He's not asking you. He's not saying, pretty please. He's demanding it. Amen? Far from abolishing the law, Christ has fulfilled it, and his desire is to fulfill it in us. Matthew 5, 17 says, Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. He then, as a lamb without spot and blemish, laid down his life for us and rose again so that in him we might have forgiveness and life. Christ, by his grace, empowers us to live life by God's design so that we reflect God's character and nature, bringing him glory, the purpose for which he created us. Only he can fulfill that through us as we just allow him to. This is painful for Carl Dennis. Painful for Carl Dennis. And I know it's only painful for me, right? It's not painful for anybody else. It's coming to the realization of truths like this. That if I'm not set free in an area of my life, it's not God's fault. We say, oh, God, please, please, please. And you know what the answer is sometimes uh, from God is? 
I've done all I'm going to do about that. I've done all I'm going to do about that. What are you going to do about it? You know, yesterday in prayer, we just took off in prayer yesterday, right over there on that, that side of the room. You know, we talked to God about a lot of things, and then we just spent time talking to the enemy. In the name of Jesus. She said, oh, I can't afford to upset none of them. <laughs> I don't want to do that, you know. Uh, you know the story about the guy I told you that had a star of David hanging around his neck. He had a cross. He had all these things hanging around his neck. And you ask him, why are you wearing all of that stuff? He said, because I can't afford to upset anybody. <laughs> I can't afford to leave anybody out. <laughs> oh, yeah, you can. Yes, you can. Let Jesus in. Amen. Look, 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 it, it, it's painful. It's painful to come to the realization that many of the things that we're not set free from is because we don't want to be set free. The want-to's messed up. Amen? But I'm telling you, you start concentrating on putting God first. The want-to will get fixed. It'll get fixed. Christ, by His grace, empowers us to live life by God's design so that we reflect God's character and nature bringing Him glory, the purpose for which He created us. For the believer, the law is not an external standard we attempt to keep in our own power. It is a reminder of the character and nature of God who by His Spirit is making us more and more like His Son, our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. So you're sitting here today. I, I'm going to ask you this question. How many of us in this room want to go to heaven. Hold, hold up your hand. I want to see your hand if you want to go to heaven. I asked that, that question in a Sunday school class, little eighth grade boys, you know, one time. I said, how many of you want to go to heaven? Oh, hand shot up all the room. Mine was the first. You do know Pastor D wants to go to heaven, right? <laughs> you know, this kid sat there and his eyes were about this big around. I said, what's wrong, son? Don't you want to go to heaven? He said, well, yes, sir, he said, but my mama said I got to come home right after Sunday school. <laughs> I said, son, I'm not getting the bus load up ready, <laughs> you know, to, to take away today. All right. I'm not getting the bus load up. Right. You know, but I thought it was funny. He took that question so very, very seriously, you know. Well, if you want to go to heaven, think about this with me for a minute. You're sitting here today. And, and, you know, I don't care who you are or how old you are or how young or whatever. You know, it's funny how God, when he, 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 there's a breakthrough in our lives and we really finally make up our mind we're just sick and tired of that thing that God's wanted for a long time and we give that up and we let Him have it, guess what? Guess what? We get to do it again <laughs> with something else. Do you know that it's not always some deep, dark, ugly, nasty-looking, slimy, dripping sin? I know a young man that told me one day, you listen carefully to this. We talked about going to a movie. He said, I can't go. I said, well, this is interesting to me. I, I, like, I, I like to hear stuff like that. Then I kind of want to know what, why, right? Why does your mom and dad? Oh, my mother and father don't care whether I go to movies. He said, I was just praying one day, and God said, are you willing to never go to another movie again as long as you live? Now, can anyone in this room argue with that boy and say he didn't hear that from God? Are you hearing me? 
None of us in this room can point a finger at that kid and say, that's stupid. I've never heard, just because you ain't never heard of it before, doesn't mean that young man hadn't heard of it from God. Amen? I know a man who sat on his own one day. I'm in a boat fishing in the middle of a lake. It's like 99 degrees, and there ain't no shade out there. And when he said, come go fishing with me, I said, well, I'll bring, I'll bring the cool liquid refreshment, right? I bought a big old cooler loaded with Coca-Colas and, and Pepsis. And, you know, we, he, this was South Carolina, so we had knee-high belly washers. I mean, you know what a knee-high belly washer is, you know? And um, I'm sucking down that sugar drink. It's probably, you know, why I had problems later in life, you know? And I noticed all day long, this man ain't touched none of that. None of it. I said, Man, aren't you thirsty? I just realized I'm looking down in here and all these empties are mine, you know. He said, well, I should have told you. He said, and now, now I feel like I, I should tell you. He said, I was 19 years old and this man was in his late 30s. He said, I was just praying one day and I wanted to give something to God. He said, I wanted to do something for him. And uh, he said, Lord, if you, if you just... You know, if you run my life, he said, I want to do something special for you that no one else is being asked to do. You just take my life and do with it what you want, and I promise I'll never drink a soda pop again in my lifetime. Do you understand that commitment? Now, it doesn't mean, oh, I'm going to go out and I'm going to give up green beans, right? I'm never going to eat another green bean again as long as I live, right? No, no, but do you understand the commitment that those two people made to God simply because, you know, he'd asked the one guy and the other guy just wanted to do it for Father. Oh, my goodness, that level of commitment. If you don't admire that, something's wrong with you. Amen? We just all need to get right with God if we think something's wrong with that. Amen? Mm-mm-mm. Now, I sat in here praying yesterday, thinking about how much I love each and every one of you, you know. And every time now it comes to my heart and mind how much I love you, mm-hmm. it just isn't, it's not in the ballpark with the love God has for you. You're going to, you, you stick with God, you know. Just press in hard. It's hard when you're in the throne room of grace, laying at the feet of Jesus to pick that thing up that you ain't supposed to be holding. Right? God's telling us, quit treating him like a light switch that we turn off when we want to do what displeases him. You ever notice? I, I mean, you say, Brother Dennis, how do you know about that? Come on, please. You know, we just ignore him when we don't want to hear what he's saying to us. When instead, you got to get tenacious like a bulldog and press in. Don't head for the door. Don't run for the light switch. Press in. Get doggedly tenacious. Latch in like a bulldog and don't let go. I don't care how bad it hurts. I don't care. You say, well, Brother Dennis, you make that sound so easy. Listen to me. I know these are the hardest decisions you make in life. I know that. I, I don't. 
I don't like standing in this pulpit and painting something, you know, uh, for you that ain't accurate. That's right, I said ain't. Ain't accurate. I don't like it. I try not to do it. I don't do it consciously. I don't, I don't want to do it, right? Just telling you the truth. Telling you the truth. God loves you. He'll help you with this fight. Amen? The more you press in, the more you rely on him, he'll get you through. Amen? All right, stand up with me. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. I'm not even asking you if you want to be a part of it. I'm just including you. <laughs> there, there's none of us in here. There's none of us. There's no one in here with a sign on their forehead that says, I have arrived. <laughs> I have achieved. <laughs> you know, I'm, uh, you know, I pass go, you know. I pass go, I collected, whatever it was. No. Jesus is it. Here's your only get out of hell free card. Amen? All right. You ready for the Lord to touch your life? Let him. Father, in Jesus' name. Ooh. Father, I, I, I find myself approaching you at times using what sounds like cliches, just cliches, things we repeat over and over again. But, oh, you're such a good God. You love us so very, very, very much. Lord, it's all about you. We know it. We've heard it. It's sunk in. We've got that truth. It's about you. It's about your glory. It's about you and what you want to achieve in our lives. Forgive us, Father, for the times we heard from you. We looked that cold, deadpan stare into that sin and chose uh, to not receive the power that would set us free. Father, touch our lives and let us know how terrified we should be of that. How frightened we should be to do that. While there's still breath in our bodies, Lord, may we commit every moment of our lives, every breath we have left, to the fight. The battlefield of the mind. The decision-making process of life. We need your help, Father, by the power of your Spirit to make the quality decisions that count. Lord, many of us in this room have heard this sermon today and they want, right now, to put you first in their lives and they don't have any idea how to do it. I think it's more important for, for us, Father, um, even than to give a, a step A, a step B, a step C plan. And those are good things, Father. We know that there are working plans out there. But I know in my heart of hearts for the child of God who will look to you, Lord. Seek your face and ask you, what do you want, Father? And I'm going to ask you, I'm going to press in and ask you to help me to give it to you. Hmm. Father, we in this great revival that we believe that you're starting to pour out in the lives of the church, the people in the church, Father, in the body of Christ, we also need desperately, Father, in the accompaniment of that revival for a fresh outpouring of your Holy Ghost and his gifts in our lives. Father, I know that many of the things that you're talking to us about in our lives is the very stumbling block that stands in the way of that outpouring that would fill us to overflowing and take the place of all these things in our lives. 
Touch us, Father. Speak to us. Help us to get quiet before you after that. Bow our heads humbly. Rely upon the name of Jesus Christ. Your love, Father, for us. The desire that you, uh, that you have to give us the help we need as we depend upon you. And we press in. Help us to be tenacious children, Father. Help us to latch on and not let go. Help us to get in that throne room of grace and remain there, Father. And quit running out when it's convenient. If I dwell in the shelter of the Most High and I abide in the shadow of the Almighty, help me, Father, and remind me to quit getting out from under it. Remind me again, Father, it is where I abide, not just where I dwell, not just my home address. It's where I stay. It's where I stay. Father, you're a good God. You love us so very much, and we thank you for that. Lord, we talked about this even yesterday, and we're going to talk about it again in closing here at prayer time. Father, oftentimes we immediately walk out from under the roof of this building and the cares of this world begin to rattle a cage. Um, I rebuke that in Jesus' name. Go with us by the power of your Spirit. Hang on to this uh, as we endeavor to give you this attention. May we endeavor to keep it with you, Father. Go with us by the power of your Spirit. Be in our homes. Uh, be in every room of our house, every closet, Father, everywhere we go. Uh, touch our lives. Remind us that every word that comes out of our mouth is important, Father. Every decision we make, may we rely heavily upon you. Thank you for what you're doing in the lives of the people of Life Spring Bible Church. Remind us, Father, it's your church, it's not our church. And is a part of the body, not just a, a singular place. We pray for every body of Christ that lifts up the name of Jesus. Bless them with your presence and change that only you can bring. In Christ's name we pray. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. God bless you and fellowship together before you leave this place.